Welcome to the Love Sport Podcast. This is Paul, your host. Going to be joined by John and Pete Novikowski. We're going to be doing our year in review, covering anything from the NFL to the AFL to the A-League to Super Netball. We love sport. This is the Love Sport Podcast. Little handball to Baker. Baker squirts it out to Rewan. That's a good mark under fierce pressure. And there's the intended target. It's a difficult chance, and he's got that on line. Gee, that's good. Yeah. Gee, that was just superb off the boot. Rewan salutes the Tigers. He's going to be a triple premiership player as a youngster. So long ball by McIntosh to full forward. Stanley couldn't quite stick it. Martin to put pressure. Still with Martin. Can he kick a four? Oh, he has. So the last time we see the little master. So in a season like no other, as you said, Brian, the champions have been able to do what only the toughest and strongest could do in 2020. The Tigers again. Chase on, but Vunavalo inside the 20. He'll run the length of the field almost. And the Fijian Vunavalo scores. Well, this is just complete frustration for the Panthers, who again, all they can see out wide was space. Vunavalo takes the odds to it, but does a remarkable job to not only catch it and hit the ground, but then to get up and find top speed again to sprint away from the Panthers. And the Melbourne Storm, through their great defence, have now come up with a try. Gee, they've been on fire, Australia. Closer and closer, Australia, to their fifth title. What a story. What a World Cup. A chance. And with that, a magical moment in Australian sport has been achieved by one of our greatest sporting teams, the Australian women's cricket team win their fifth T20 World Cup title in front of a magical crowd at the MCG. Boys, end of 2020, Christmas upon us. It has been, uh, understatement, one of the strangest years of sport ever. <laughs> yeah, it definitely has been. It's been, uh, like with everything else in the world, very stop-start and then, uh, you know, constantly changing. Uh, you know, even so much that yesterday we had changes to the W League draw. We've already had adjustments to uh, some A-League uh, like games as well. So, yeah, it's definitely a fluid system at the moment. And we got, yeah, through, well, it. We got through it, yeah. Ajax. I was going to use the term uh, unprecedented. I'm not sure if that's been used yet. Yeah, I've heard that word before. It might be part of like, I don't know, it could be a good good word to use at Scrabble sometime this week. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, Scrabble. That's a good, you've just reminded me, I might buy a new Scrabble set. Guys, this podcast today is going to be a review of 2020 to some extent. We'll have a few laughs along the way as well. Um, if we miss any sport, um, people, you can get us on the Love Sport Podcast uh, Network on Twitter and Facebook, or you can get us all on Twitter. 
uh, Pete at Pete Novikowski with a W, if you want to try and figure that one out. Uh, me at Paul underscore football and John at Lambic Peach. If you want to ask us any questions, you've got multiple avenues there. Guys, we're going to start with the AFL. The AFL started off with round one being completed without any fans and then basically a break. And we didn't even know if the season was going to occur. Then basically Queensland, South Australia and WA ended up, and mainly Queensland, saving the season. Uh, your thoughts on the AFL this year? I'll let John go first and uh, chat about what AFL was like in his backyard. Um, well, look, you know, it was a fantastic um, recovery by everyone involved in, let's say, let's be realistic, the two major football codes in Australia. Um, or, well, you know, you know what I mean, winter sports codes. And, um, you know, the AFL was certainly um, at the forefront of that. Uh, Queensland did an amazing job. Uh, it was a really good season. It was quite fascinating with Port Adelaide and, and the Lions, you know, challenging all the way up uh, and, and then – you know, the Lions not actually making it and your Tigers getting away with it. Grand final was a bit of a fizzer, but, um, you know, um, it was a pretty good season. I enjoyed it. Any thoughts there, Pete? Yeah, mentally, uh, you know, similar to most other seasons. Uh, I, I spent most of the AFL campaign kind of watching from my sofa or at least kind of following along uh, via my mobile phone, so I didn't actually get the chance to be actually uh, get out to see any games live. Uh, so, yeah, it, it was kind of a, a very digital season for me. Uh, definitely plenty of time spent on the phone. Um, no doubt the phone bill's gone up a little bit thanks to uh, all the sport being online this year. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was great that, you know, we could actually see a season finish. We could see a season kind of... Um, you know, so adaptable and, and you know, that that's, I, I think that's going to be kind of a, a recurring theme that we're going to have throughout all our sports that we mentioned that, you know, it, it's part of that Australian culture of how quickly we can um, modify things and how quickly we can make the best out of whatever the situation is. I think they did really well um, to have the hub, um, you know, in terms of individual players, uh, Lockie Neal, it was in no doubt, he was going to win the Brownlow. A fantastic season. He is a ball magnet and he can use the ball really well and he can finish. Um, a fantastic pickup for the Lions. I, can't, I just can't believe um, he was able to get to the Lions. I can't believe Frio wouldn't throw the kitchen sink to keep a player of that calibre when they had young people coming through. Um, one of the best individual seasons I'd, I'd seen in a long time. And then obviously, finals come along and the Lions um, winning the first final and breaking a bit of a hoodoo against Richmond might set them up for the next few years. But Dusty just did what Dusty did. And, and he's gone from being in the conversation of, is he one of the best ever, to he is in the league of one of the best ever, and especially when it comes to finals. I, I am biased. I am Richmond, but absolutely sublime when it comes to finals time. And he's done that three of the last four years. Yeah, no doubt. I think he's down down the, the best finals player. Yeah, absolutely. I agree yeah. with John. Sorry. No doubt. No doubt. So it's an absolute privilege to have um, a guy like that in your team. And it's and it's strange because unlike the other sport, a lot of the other sports we follow, there's 22 um, players on game day, uh, plus all the coaches and everything. But 
Um, John, you said that the grand final was a fizzer. I actually thought the grand final um, up until the first few minutes of the third quarter was anyone's. Um, but Richmond just ground um, Geelong down. And we'll come to predictions later on in the um, in the podcast. Well, that, by what you just said, that, that necessarily meant the second half was a dud. In a lot of ways it was because once Richmond and, – and I think the final goal of the second quarter, when Dusty scores a goal holding someone off, tossing the ball in the air and kicking it over his shoulder, when Richmond got to 15 points and he grabbed his jumper just before half time and ran up to everyone basically, basically saying, come with me. I mean, I still thought we were in trouble, but the people around me were saying, oh, my God, we're coming. And, um, yeah, you, you might be right. Uh, you guys are the neutrals in this, so I'm biased. But um, I don't want to talk about dynasties or anything like that. I think that's a bit of hocus. But, uh, oh, you've got – look, I, just, I honestly think that – I've said this to anyone who wants to listen. The only way that the, the Tigers dynasty is actually going to get cut down uh, is going to have to come through the Brisbane Lions. They're the only team I think's got the quality to get really get near you in the next two or two or so years. Because if they can't, no one will. Well, the scary bit is uh, I don't think I've seen, and I think the Lions are starting to get there. I don't think I've seen many teams who enjoy playing with each other as much as Richmond do. I mean, if mm. you actually go through and look at highlights, they actually genuinely don't care who gets the goals. They don't care who. Do you know what I mean? Like, and that's pretty rare. Well, it's a sign um, of a true championship team. That that that's the sign of you know it's all for the team, not individual honors. Like they celebrate individual performances, but they care about the whole team's performance. As like that's where you get your success. I mean, look, big shout out to Port Adelaide. I think Port and uh, Brisbane, if they do the right things in the in the coming years. Um, that you know, premierships are there to be taken. But congratulations to Richmond. Congratulations to Lockie Neal. Congratulations to Gil McLaughlin and his team on actually getting a season completed. Um, and thanks to everyone who made that happen, including all the supporters who who stuck um, through the hard times and paid their membership fees uh, for all those clubs that didn't get to see games this year. So for me, I got to see I think twelve games in uh, between the Gold Coast and Brisbane. John, you would have known the travel I did this year on Tuesday and Wednesday nights and stuff like that. So, um, in a lot of ways, hopefully a season never to be repeated. But um, congratulations to all involved. So, we come across to another sport that absolutely led the way this year in terms of unbelievable leadership and, and basically, in my mind, really allowed sport to, to actually happen by setting the template. And that's the NRL. Uh, and, and Peter Volandis, you know, love him or hate him, he's a visionary. And he just said, we're making it happen. Kind of like Dusty in the AFL grand final. He said, get on my coattails. I'm going to make this season happen. And he did. And I'm, one of the most unbelievable efforts I've seen in Australian sport is Peter Volandis' effort to get the NRL season uh, over the line this year. <laughs> get everyone into a bubble and make it work and quite literally it was exactly that uh, that team bubble it was sensational viewing uh, and, and as you kind of mentioned I think that the NRL kind of set the standard for everyone in terms of how their protocols went uh, you know how strict their rules and policies were uh, ahead of finishing off that season so it, it was incredible viewing no doubt yeah uh. I think one of the things is that a lot of the time the NRL administration 
for lots of reasons, a, a kind of people take the mickey out of them, especially um, you know the, the southern press. Um, but they really stepped up, and I mean, in lots of ways, they are strong with their rulings. I mean, I think the NRL's been far stronger historically on things like salary cap breaches and things like that than the AFL has. And um, I just thought it was an amazing job, and uh, I really. Thoroughly enjoyed the rugby league season this year. First time in a long time. I was brilliant. And because it is such a good TV product as well, the lack of crowds, in my mind, didn't affect um, the standard of the game or the standard of the viewing viewership. Whereas in the AFL, it is still something until crowds were allowed back in. It was an extremely empty and, and pretty awful kind of game to watch. Uh, I'm not sure about your thoughts on that, but I thought the NRL translated really well with them without well, the Roosters this year. Big, Roosters had some of their biggest crowds during the like, shutdown, didn't they? <laughs> <They've been bad. laughs> the most loyal well, followership turned up when uh, everyone into lockdown. Yeah. Well, the, the great thing about the NRL, and you could say it about the AFL as well, is there's a number of teams emerging and also teams that just refuse to lie down. So, you know, you've got the Roosters, you've got the Storm, uh, you've got the Raiders, um, you've got Souths. And so it's, it's a really um, quality competition. And, and you can see a team like the Broncos over the next few years coming back. So the, the NRL is really well positioned. And the state of origin was sensational uh, and I'm not sure about your guys thoughts on this Pete being from New South Wales John obviously being a Queenslander do you like the state of origin being at the end of the year was that is that something you could see foresee happening again over future years no I didn't like it but you know what it was a year when you had to get used to stuff what I did like was the result uh, I saw that this morning on TV they were showing you know sports highlights of the year and I saw Queensland picking up the origin shield and I just landed with Louise and said, now that was one of the most unexpected events of the year. Here's a, this is a good go, and he's got a piece of it. 
It's got a piece Her of Grant maintains possession of the ball and gets it to the goal line. We have a decision. Just. It's on by a beat. How good. Harry. Harry Grant is a star. I appreciate where you're coming from with uh, State of Origin there, uh, John. My thoughts, one of the reasons I do like it at the end of the year is I can't stand, with State of Origin during the season, I can't stand how teams are missing multiple players in different rounds. And some people might like that, but I just think it really kind of wrecks the flow of a team season. It hasn't cost anyone a premiership ever. You know, you, what, like you, you, make, you make it argument that you're better off if you if you've got a a, a a club full of origin players, you're going to be there at the back end of the year anyway. That's a fair take. What about yourself, there, Pete? Any thoughts? Well, it's part of representation. Uh, you if you're going to go to the next level above, you know, you're playing for your national league, and then if you're going to go beyond that, then that's part of the reason why you step aside and you go to these extra competitions or you go to national team setups, that kind of stuff. It's, it's during a season generically because that's when you're fittest. Uh, it's generally not when at the end of a season uh, when everyone's either celebrating hard or uh, definitely commiserating and planning their moves for the following year. So why don't we do what football leagues around the world do and have buys when State of Origin is happening so it's not affecting teams? Still in season. Um, but teams aren't being affected. We do it with football all around the world for international breaks. Yeah, it's an interesting point. Uh, it could be kind of a week off from competition. However, um, you know, in terms of player welfare, that doesn't always mean the best thing. Uh, you do want to have rest periods, but, you know, if you were playing a state of origin whereby, you know, there, there were actually seven states being represented rather than just two, then perhaps that would make more sense to uh, have a week off uh, rather than just having two states represented, which only benefits, you know, 35 players. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think uh, you're both pretty adamant about that. I've I'm voted out there. So State of Origin next year, back to normal. Who knows with uh, COVID and so forth. Uh, guys, congratulations to Sydney FC. We've said it, said it earlier in the season. Um, it was their grand final to lose. Um, so dominant season from Sydney FC. And we are coming into an A-League season, again, disrupted by uh, COVID already with the, out the outbreak in the Northern uh, beaches of Sydney, and we've already had fixturing change, uh, fixturing changes. So, A League already on the back foot with lack of promotion, but a new season starts next week. It, it does. Thankfully, uh, we get the window of opportunity of having a season start up and get underway, though you wouldn't really know that. Uh, only two days ago, did ads on the back of buses start arriving and ads on uh, some bus shelters as well around in Sydney. But that said, you, you wouldn't really know a great deal about it because we're not getting the, the usual, you know, your old school promotion throughout TV ads. You, you're not getting your newspaper, full paper spreads. Uh, that There's kind of less coverage about a competition uh, currently than there probably should be. Um, it, it's incredible the fact that, you know, we've got a season that starts in four, five days time from now and you don't really know all the players are from all the different teams. Uh, 
there's just no real buzz about the season that's about to uh, kick off. And, I mean, if we look at kids, um, we've spoken about this a number of times this year as well. And if you look at kids, um, the, the jerseys and so forth they're wearing, a lot of kids are wearing the European jerseys again. And the TV ratings are hard to kind of quantify because with Optus having the Premier League and Foxtel having Bundesliga and Serie A and, and um, uh, La Liga, uh, I'd be shocked if the ratings aren't through the roof on European football um, compared to the A-League. Well, quite rightly so. This is where the best players are. It's the most exciting thing. Um, that's where, you know, the buzz has to be about. And there's nothing wrong with turning up wearing uh, your favourite Premier League or your favourite Serie A Bundesliga-type jersey. That's obviously uh, always exciting. It's like no matter which sporting event that you go to, you always try and look out for the random Souths fan. Um, it, it's just one of those... <laughs> that's true. It's just what happens. But, you know, we have to kind of just engage... Uh, on a much, much bigger scale. Um, even put in perspective, okay, the last few seasons I've worked during, you know, your pre-game activations out the front of stadiums. Uh, it might be, you know, the kick a soccer ball out an inflatable goal type setup. At the moment, that's not happening. Um, I can understand why it's not happening, but there's no discussion of when we could be able to do that again as work or, you know, what the plans would be once we start seeing more community engagement. So there's a, there's a number of negatives there, but some of the positives, if I can, um, is that we've still got a national league of some sort. Um, a lot of supporters that I know in Queensland are going back to some of their local teams, some of their prior NSL teams or local uh, national Premier League teams. And we've also seen a record number of Matildas coming back to the W League which is not getting any promotion as well. But a lot of double headers may now be occurring that weren't going to occur previously. Um, so there are some positives from all of this. Yeah, well, you guys up there will get a, um, a Brisbane Raw double header this weekend for the opening um, game of their season. Uh, down here in Sydney, we get Western Sydney Wanderers kick off the season in the W League with a Sydney derby and then followed up with a um, Western Sydney derby in the A League. So there'll be a number of back-to-back uh, fixtures with W League and A League. Hopefully, you know, more and more people start turning up earlier and get to get out there and watch the W League fixtures because it is incredibly exciting and there's no reason why you shouldn't turn up. Um, as I've said previously, one of the biggest pet peeves is, you know, it'd be nice if when you get to a W League game that you could actually buy some W League merchandise. Um, as much as I'd like to be able to buy a Sydney FC shirt with Milos Ninkovic on the back or Ryan Grant on the back, I'd also really quite like to be able to get a shirt that has Teresa Polias on the back and celebrate her or um, Angelique Christodoulou uh, as one of the next big things at Sydney FC. I'd quite like to be able to celebrate our W League players as well as we celebrate the A League players. So, Pete, Sydney FC actually sell shirts with players' names on the back because Queensland or Brisbane Raw can't even keep the numbers on the shirts. 
Yeah, so well, that's interesting. It's it's bringing your own duct tape, admittedly. Um, you can get your medical strapping tape. That's also an alternative. Uh, I do know a few people who can sell you some electrical tape. It also works really well on goals uh, to keep nets up on goals as well. So, yeah, this season will be an interesting one. Uh, well, absolutely. We'll come to predictions yeah. later on in the, in the season yeah. there. Every time I put my Newcastle jersey on, I always get a black armband to think about the life sentence I got given for supporting them. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, well, quick summary of the uh, Premier League. Um, obviously, we, we've talked about it earlier on in the, throughout the year. Liverpool winning a title that they've wait, waited many, many years for. Um, was And Pete, you're a Liverpool fan. John, uh, you begrudgingly gave them the, the credit they deserve uh, throughout the year. It's not that you don't respect what they've done. You just find it hard maybe to give them that pat on the back. Well, look, it makes no difference to anyone if I get excited about um, Liverpool winning the title. I, I thought one of the most fun narratives in world football was Liverpool not winning for a while. You know, like um, they could win Champions Leagues, but they still couldn't win the league. And now that's finished as well. So... You know, good luck to him. I mean, I, I, I really, I was, I was walking through Pacific Fair this morning as well. It was kind of crazy, and I was, I did look at my Newcastle for life bag that I was carrying around to put my Christmas gifts in, and I was just going to go, man, man, you know, it's literally going to be a lifetime. I'm going to be another person a lifetime when that club has one squat, and then in the morning we went out against Brentford in the in the League Cup, and it's like, and he started this, and I've gone away from Liverpool because I don't really care that much, but, like, you know, we <laughs> win stuff, they win stuff, then Man U win stuff, and City will win stuff, and blah, 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 and bloody Leeds and Villa is going to end up winning stuff, and we're going to not win any stuff. The BN Sports thing came through today, the Premier League partnership, and Richard Masters and all that, you know, everybody patting each other in a pocket, about this brilliant deal. And, and all I could think about this year was the fact that we could have become a super club. Yeah. Uh, we got trashed by the Premier League, and including some clubs like Liverpool, on the way through. It wasn't allowed to happen. And um, they're at Brentford. The start of the week thinking, my God, we could actually move up the top eight. You know? Yeah. And we get, we get housed by Leeds in the second half, being looking like we'd never... Um, our defence had never met each other. And then we get a, let's be honest, we ripped Fulham off. Um, I thought it was a disgraceful penalty decision. I don't know how it went that way. And then, you know, we get beat by Brentford and you just go, you seriously, you look at it sometimes and you go, why am I bothering with this sport? You know what I mean? I know you were well, there time last week with, with Villa and you come and go around, but well, it's been a horrendous week in football for me. And I don't really want to get on my hands. And- the leader of the club, Jordan Henderson steps forward to take his medal and to take the Premier League trophy. The Hendo shuffles on its way. First, they conquered Europe. Then they conquered the whole world. Now they've conquered their own country. Jordan Henderson, the Liverpool Football Club captain, a team of history makers, a team of record breakers. Now, Liverpool are back 
where they belong. Oh, John, it's been 30 years of fun. About to end. Champions again! Liverpool! Schumacher as top in the record books. The World Championship record is equals. Lewis Hamilton wins the Turkish Grand Prix and is a seven-time champion of the world. Get in there, Lewis. And it breaks back the way of Caceres. Here comes Milos Lukovic! Denied by Tom Glover with a really strong hand. What a save from the young man. Here's Ninkovic for Bahaja. Taking on Galloway. Trent Bahaja. Still alive and the back heel nearly broke for Lafondra. King can keep it in. Here is Retro. Bratton demanding. Picking up Ryan Brandt. Chesting it home. The kick from Canavra. With the smart at the back post. He scored another grand final goal for Sydney FC. It's basically telling us that, you know, he doesn't see that kind of future for Newcastle that the fans do deserve. But football can change, John. As you said before, you know, I see Villa have 27 shots uh, at goal, control a game, not be able to put one away. And I literally, I've never been so angry with a draw in my life. I was fuming. And I'm pretty balanced with sport these days. There's so many sports to follow. There's so many things outside of sport. We've got family and everything as well. Um, But I was fuming. And a few days later, I'm happy. So hopefully for Newcastle, common sense prevails. Well, we've got Liverpool and Man City over Christmas. So that's either going to, you know, extend the life sentence out further or or, um, release the shackles. Well, I'm, I'm hoping in the next, uh, you know, year or two that common sense and or, or fairness, which doesn't often happen in sport, does occur and that you do get the right owners that can change that model pretty quickly for you. Because earlier this year, Villa was going to be relegated and now we're looking at, you know, a top 10, potential top 10 finish in the Premier League. It's, things can turn quickly and I hope they do for your boys. On that note, and I've said it before, I definitely, I think that the coronavirus shutdown um, benefited no one in sport more than Aston Villa, and I'm pleased for you. And I actually think it um, was good for Liverpool too. So there you go. Yeah, you know you're not wrong. Going to have a rant now. I don't. It's going to be unpopular, and that's fine. Leeds, absolute huge team. We all know that support all over the world for a number of reasons. Great jerseys, great supporters, passionate, hundred percent. Is the Premier League better off that they're in it? Cannot disagree there. It's great. Are they playing football that's great on the eye? Yep. But they've conceded 30 goals this year. So I just want to I just want to say this. Great. Awesome. You're playing lovely football. But you get off that leads to the best thing since sliced bread in terms of football. Just for a little bit, please. Just... Because you still have to bloody defend as well. Football is not just in the uh, you know final third. You have to bloody defend. Thirty goals in fourteen games is horrendous. It's I think it's the worst in the Premier League. So can we just balance it out? Because the commentators are saying, "Oh, look, you know they're, they're losing six two, but geez, they were brave today." No, I'm sorry, you're a bigger club than that. Being brave, getting thumped six two is a load of crap. So can commentators just get off that? Are Leeds playing football that's fun to watch? Yes. 
but it's also fun for the uh, opposition because they get to score a lot of goals against them. So just a bit of reality check there, Leeds. Big club. Yeah, that's great. But seriously, I want you guys packing condoms. I can tell you that now. There'd be a lot of leaks. That's my Leeds rant, boys. Well, John, I think when we you can... take this away, mate. <laughs> Conceded five against Leeds. Um, we're accused of being naive, and and rightly so. I mean, because we it was two all. We're away from home. We for everyone up front. Tried to get a win. You know, had a probably a chance at a penalty, but so 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 be it. Um, if we had a sat back, we would have got accused of parking the bus and being dull. Um, whatever way it goes, we got beat. Like the press for Newcastle is always S H I T. Right, uh, we get spoken about terribly by um, pundits, and yeah, and that's my rant on that. Good luck to Leeds. Pete, any well, thoughts there? Uh, I'll, I will deviate away from the Leeds and Aston Villa rant, and I will bring in my own little rant, which is at some point it would be amazing okay. if we did get to see a A League transfer system finally come into play because it is incredibly embarrassing that we start these mutual terminations of contracts, uh, you know, a week before a season kicks off where the likes of Adelaide United, uh, Western Sydney, uh, sorry, Adelaide United, Newcastle Jets and Central Coast Mariners all lose their best players. Uh, And then when another player from Newcastle Jets says that they want to leave. I know no one's going to go from now, so (laughs) I'm cool with that. Yeah, cool, mate. But it should be dry in two, three days. Yeah, I don't appreciate everything you guys have done. Man. Yeah, no worries, like mm-hmm. the first tech just had fun. Moving the carpet. Yeah. <laughs> oh mate, I tell you, look, he looked. I tell you, fit. He's yeah, he's fit. fit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad he he came here and not me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You right, John? He's got to say, see you later to the insurance guys. Yeah, he does. He does. I'll make, come back on that. Um, when he comes back, I'll, this will be easy I'm to here. edit this yeah. part out because it's long enough. Hey, good I'm on sorry, you, Sorry, the, the dudes who are doing the job downstairs just, just came up and would tell me what was happening. So I didn't want to interrupt the flow. So I tried to do, you know how I, I sometimes drop, <laughs> I tried to auto drop out. Did it work? No, so it's it's funny, man. We we know what's going on, so it's all good. It'll be. Easy I'm definitely. I'm all good in. now. I'm a hundred percent all clear. <laughs> well, I'll edit. This will be a bit of editing, but that's fine. So Pete's going to come in with a rant about the um, A League transfer system or lack of. And Pete, I'll, I'll count down. Fans, mate. Pete, so sorry. take on those Leeds fans. No, I can't be bothered. <laughs> Not worth it. I mean, Paul, Paul, I think you're holding with your chin. Day. Oh, mate, I'm fine. I've, I've already copped enough off them. I'm going to fire right back all season when we're above them. Every single week, I'm going to go Enjoy straight it. at them. And that's what footy's all about. Okay, I'm going to count down. Three, two, one. So I'll kind of deviate away from the, uh, the Leeds and Villa discussion. And uh, I'll actually throw in my own little... Uh, problem which I'd like to be able to see a early transfer system be introduced at some point in the near future because, you know, I find it quite embarrassing the fact that a week until the season kicks off and you've still got players who are able to just 
terminate their contracts and move off to a new club. You know, Adelaide lose one of their best players. Newcastle Jets lose their best player. Central Coast Mariners lose one of their best players, all to the Western Sydney Wanderers. Uh, it's just, you know, it's embarrassing that the only way you can get up and move is you just have to say, yeah, you know what, I've got some problems. I just want to uh, terminate my contract. And then 15 minutes later, they get to formally announce the fact that they're moving on to a new club. Um, and it's just, it's wrong the way it's going about, especially when you think, you know, there's another player at Newcastle Jets who uh, he's come out and said he doesn't really want to be there, but he'll stay there until he can kind of secure a contract somewhere else. And just the sooner we can work out a transfer system, the better. It, it's been horrendous, Pete. I agree with you. And, um, Look, I don't want to talk about mental health issues or different things like that uh, because I don't want to say they're excuses, but there's been some stuff happen in the last few days. I, people just need to tell the truth because coming out with an excuse, and I'm not going to point any one player out, but coming out with an excuse and then signing with another club less than a few hours later, it's beyond embarrassing. It just feels so wrong. So can there be potentially a draft system from the NPL? Can there be where there is a designated amount you have to pay another club to grab a player. There's got to be something that, that surely brains better than mine can, can figure out and, and make it transparent to the A-League. Yeah, well, I'll put in perspective in terms of the W League uh, for their season, uh, out of all of the players playing, 75 players and three coaches came from the New South Wales NPL system who are currently signed off to play in the W League this season ahead. Wow. Like that is just insane. The uh, uh, the numbers in the cross promotion, that kind of stuff. So, look, why can't we do the same with the A League? Why can't we see recognition, or at least you know identify where these players are coming from? Uh, I guess the sooner that we have this transfer across to a winter season, potentially the sooner we'll get to confirmation of transfer systems and player programs. It's a yeah, difficulty yeah. in every sport. Well, I, I just said. think it, you know it makes it. It's very disingenuous when you are calling mental health and you roll out to another club. Um, you've either got issues or you don't. Um, the It just makes mm. it look like a really bad combination of the way the big-time NBA players are deciding that they're going to decide where they play and and yeah. a really like small-time organisation that doesn't know how to run itself because they're concerned about you know upsetting people. If they want to make the A-League into a competition between Western Sydney and inner Sydney and inner Melbourne, you can do that, And uh, but every other sport's trying to avoid it. That, that talent's got to get fanned out around the country somehow and to smaller markets. Yeah, that's a really good point as well. Guys, um, Super Rugby this year made its uh, kind of hub kind of thing and... Um, for an Australian, from an Australian perspective, whilst rugby's been in turmoil, it's been kind of a tiny bit of a renaissance, um, having the local games and rivalries um, saw some really high-quality uh, football and, and seeing clubs like the Queensland Reds come back to some relevancy with and the Wallabies getting some relevancy again and, and some public recognition. Not all was dead and buried for rugby in Australia. 
<laughs> yeah, look, I, 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 I was about to say this is a bit where one of you can speak <laughs> up. <laughs> look, I, I, again, this is, uh, you know, ropey. The last few years, I'll, I'll put it out there that it kind of felt like it just faded away and was a, a very much a background sport rather than, you know, the Wallabies, which I grew up with. That they were, it was basically, you know, the Australian cricket team, then the Wallabies, and then every other sport underneath was kind of the news coverage or at least the recognition of uh, these games. But yeah, definitely in the last few years, uh, Super Rugby and the rugby competitions, they've really faded away 2020 at least it brought the wallabies a bit more attention than what they've had and quite rightly so they've actually you know been progressing quite well uh sides coming together and it was at least positive that we could see a season uh we could see some games being played um it, it did make things at least engaging again and seeing some players from rugby league going across who had played rugby uh, in their formative years, going back to rugby is also, I think, a pretty good thing. John, rugby is something very special to your heart. Anyone who listens to this podcast knows that you coach uh, women's uh, rugby team for your school. Uh, your thoughts on any kind of rugby renaissance? I, I firmly believe that one of the best things that happened to Australian rugby is to be cut off from the other Super 12 or Super 15 or Super 20 or Super Rugby, whatever they call the comp, other teams outside of Australia because... Um, I think it was really bad news for Australia continuously getting spanked in New Zealand by all the super... Everyone knows how good New Zealand is. And it was just a procession of teams going over there and getting horse-whipped. Um, and because it's not on free-to-air, people don't see it. Then the national team rolls out. It's got to mentally, mentally address the fact that it can't beat those teams. And it probably struggles against South Africa. Uh, I think... It's kind of the flip opposite of what we talked about there with uh, the A-League about spreading the talent. One of the things that's happened in Australian rugby is that they've concentrated on the non-core areas like Western Australia, Victoria, South Australia, at the expense of the only two parts of the country that actually create the rugby players. That's Queensland and New South Wales. And, and you can do anything you want to me. You will not convince me that the Wallabies are good unless one of those two teams is kicking. And, and it's, it's mm. showing. If you go back to when they won the World Cups, either Queensland or New South Wales or, or the Brumbies, okay, which is a hybrid of those two, um, was actually kicking but away outside of Australia. And so they have to look after those teams. You know, if you go to Ballymore now, you'd be embarrassed when, you know, if you see the state the place has been left in. I know there's some repairs happening, but dead set, a lick of paint would, wouldn't go Australia, you know. Make it look like the home of rugby in Queensland. And the thing, 100% there, and I think when Labor lost the uh, state election many years ago, um, one of their promises that they had at that point was that Ballymore would be turned into a ground for the Reds and for the Brisbane Roar mm. at that stage. So it was going to be, and both, both the Reds and the Roar agreed that they would make it their home ground and work together, which doesn't often happen in sport where they really wanted to work together. And I, I don't want to talk politics on who you should vote for or anything, but that was a that was a missed moment because Bellymore, such a great place to watch sport from, and would have been so good had that become a stadium. When you mentioned area. it with regards to the um, A League, you so know, we talk about Redcliffe and all that BS, or you know, should the should the rule be based out of Rockhampton for the Brisbane fans? Um, you know, like 
realistic, Ballymore is the perfect ground for that. I mean, what a place. It's right in the centre of town. It's nowhere near as big as Lane Park. Yeah. It's a You cannot not see the field from everywhere, and it's got a hill, and it's still got terraces, um, Pete, which are, I love terraces, even though they're illegal, you know, but see, that's a good place to watch footy. Yeah, missed opportunity in Queensland sport, in my mind, and uh, I know they say they're doing repairs. I agree with you. I think it's one of the biggest misses in in for both rugby and for the A League is Belly Moon. It could have been, been like uh, is uh, to uh, the MCG, yeah? yeah. I think so. Um, but on that note, on final yeah. note, I've got to yeah. say, I think Brad Thorne's done a, an amazing job for Australia. The, as the world is in good hands with Dave Rennie as the coach. You know that he's doing something Agreed. right when the All Blacks press or the New Zealand press is kind of tearing itself apart about the appointment that they made and saying how much they wanted Dave Rennie. So some common sense prevailing in uh, in rugby. So some good signs ahead. I really enjoyed seeing the, the local teams play against each other. Um, so look, we'll move on to a couple of women's sports here. Super Netball, the Melbourne Vixens finally got uh, over the line and they played in a hub as well, all those all those teams, and the Vixens got a win um, against the West Coast Fever, I think they are. Or the, yeah, I think it's West Coast Fever. Um, and they, they got back into prominence in the press by having a controversial um, super goal, which we've spoken about earlier in the year. But it got people talking about netball. So super netball was fantastic. It, had, it did have crowds in Queensland. Queensland once again came to the fore with sport this year. And it was a. Re- I actually watched the grand final. It was on free to air because uh, my girls are all netballers, and it was brilliant. So congratulations to the Vixens um, playing away from home for the whole season as well. Um, well done. And the Super Goal has at least got people talking. So that's that's a great thing. And an unbelievable event occurred at the start of the year, just before COVID really um, brought. Uh, sport to a halt in Australia and around the world. The Australian women's cricket team in front of 86,000 won the T20 uh, final at the G, yeah. the World Cup. I think that is one of the great moments in Australia. Yeah, that was sport. an awesome day. Wasn't that fantastic, that crowd? They beat India, yeah? And 86,000. Yeah. Excellent. India fell apart. So women's sport getting, uh, getting the recognition it needs. Um, we won't talk about the BBL in this podcast. We've already kind of slammed it but it, it, it's not looking not looking very strong at the moment and people were calling it the death of test cricket only a few years ago with the big bash but test cricket is what people want to see and let's be honest about it Absolutely. yeah so I'll, I'll i'll jump in and i'll actually uh, give a quick little shout out towards the women's nbl competition uh because we had the final just the other day or uh, where south yes. Flyers ended up claiming the uh, the victory and I'm not sure if you guys actually have managed to see what the, the championship ring looked like, but an incredible um, array of opals and it being diamond cut yes. ring. Um, yeah, Gary Cole, uh, he ended up sharing a few pictures on his Facebook, on his Twitter feed, on his Facebook page uh, after his daughter, Beck, uh, managed to play in that fixture. And it's just beautiful, beautiful, fantastic um, basketball, but even better, just the championship ring as well. And the and the winners uh, were talking; they were also in a hub, and they played games almost every second day. 
um, and a lot of the, the women returned from the WNBA and European leagues. Um, it was a pretty, in the end, a pretty ordinary final. But um, against all, you know, most of the odds, it was a it was a really good year for for that for that sport as well. So, thanks for bringing that in, Pete. That's spot on. So, look, we've covered a lot already today. We've still got a bit to go, so I'm just going to call a halt there for a moment, guys. We're going to talk about highlights, your highlights and your lowlights of the year for a moment, okay? And then um, what we'll do is we'll just finish off with the sporting TV shows or movies you like and quick predictions for next year if you've got time to do that. So um, we'll come in. I'll make this a, a new section right now. We'll talk about highlight, high, highlights, lowlights and sports. And then our final section will be predictions for 2021. You cool yeah, with that? Cool, cool. Okay, so a bit of editing is going to happen over the next day. Guys, we are going to talk about our highlights and lowlights as individuals for sport in 2020. We might start with uh, your highlights, John. My your personal, personal highlights? highlights. Uh, well, you know, uh, without doubt, my personal highlight sporting-wise this year was my own um, involvement with my girls becoming the state champions back-to-back in, in open rugby sevens. Um, and that really was a highlight. I mean, for me, one of the great joys and I'm no, Pete, you get this. One of the great joys of my life is actually being involved a day to day with um, with the team and watching as the girls grow through that. Yeah. I get to get them for, you know, see them for like six years from the very start of their journey until the end. And I know that sort of hyperbole gets overdone, but when they walk out and they achieve that ultimate team success and you see what it means to them and their families and then to me, I get a bit emotional because it's just a, it's a wonderful thing. And we've seen um, difficult losses as well. It's all part of that, that, that journey. But, um, yeah, that was my – I couldn't go past that. And I know it's a bit selfish, but yeah. let's be honest, none of the clubs I follow are any good, so uh, they'll take that. There's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. nothing selfish in that at all, John. And, and obviously, Pete, having worked in women's sport and – and I've been involved in women's sport for a number of years as well. It, it is nothing like seeing those kids grow, and not even the results, just seeing them grow as people. Uh, I, I don't think you can underestimate yeah. that. That's a brilliant highlight. And yours, Pete? Uh, I was thinking about this while uh, John was explaining his, and I tell you what, from kind of a, a personal highlight, I think that, you know, I, I want to highlight two things. Um, one, I back in January, uh, we had the wind of opportunity of having uh, national football championships down in Canberra um, and it was my first opportunity to actually coach what was called uh, New South Wales Thunderside which uh, is kind of like your, your top age players who are meant to be the best best um, in the state. Uh, previously I've only really kind of coached the development teams or the, the Lightning who are kind of like your second side uh, in these football nationals so uh, the opportunity to be able to coach a thunder side was incredible for me and we ended up walking away with uh, a trophy to basically claim uh, the championship at uh, at basically a 5-2 victory in our grand final Uh, a fantastic opportunity to really celebrate in futsal success Uh, and then I'll also highlight something that happened you know not that 
many weeks ago where I signed on with MacArthur Rams for the 2021 Women's MPL one season uh, where wow. I've taken over the reserve grade program. I've really started to uh, find my feet working in senior football after a number of years of working in kind of youth development spaces. So this is where I'm really starting to uh, get comfortable working in that senior football space. And uh, yeah, it, it's a really enjoyable time uh, in football for me. Well, the hard work pays off, mate. Well done. I can't. Wow. And this is where people who don't really know the ins and outs of sport have no idea when they say, oh, this coach has come from nowhere or how did he get a gig or, you know, how did she get that role? The years of dedication you've put in, and I've known you for a long, long time, mate, congratulations. Brilliant highlights for you and and thank you for sharing those with us. Really, mate. Thank you. Appreciate that. Lots of support um, and it's always... You know, it, it, it's a it's a weird little moment where you you kind of don't want to talk about yourself because you're so used to talking about the success of others, uh, and yeah, it's a cool little highlight. So yeah, let's let's walk away from me for a bit. Second, Paul, what's been your highlight, mate? Mine is extremely mine's extremely selfish compared to you guys. Um, look, it's been a horrible year uh, for many people. Uh, I'm not going to hide behind it being a great year for me. Whilst it's been bad for others, I think we're allowed to celebrate our own um, good years. And in a lot of ways, it's been brilliant. I got to see my beloved Tigers more than I have in many, many years. But the absolute highlight for me was being in a grand final with my dad. Um, You know, we both cursed my dad for many years for making me follow Richmond. But, you know, firstborn, you have to. And to be at a grand final in a difficult year for my dad... um, I won't go on about his personal situation, but um, to be there and to hug your old man when your team's come from behind and just to share those tears without words, um, that was the biggest highlight. And we said it to each other during the game. It was still our biggest highlight, even if we had a lost. And that was when we were 20-odd points down. I turned to Dad and said, this is one of the best days I've ever had. And Dad said the same thing. So my highlight was spending those few hours with my old man and then not even having to speak and just being in each other's company for hours. Thanks, old man. I owe you a few apologies um, because the last few years have been worth everything. Yeah, well, look, so, yeah, I know, I know your course. old man Gary loves his tigers, and um, that, that's a brilliant. I was I was very happy for you. I would say this, um, and I'm not sure what you two guys both think about this because I do follow. We all follow all the different versions of sport, like. To me, the AFL seems to have such a strong support for all their clubs because unlike state, with kids picking up football teams from Europe, unless you're kind of like born in a city somewhere in Europe or your parents, your dad's an absolute diehard, most of the people who pick up and follow football teams overseas, it's a discretionary choice. You know, like who was the number one team in, yeah. in blah, blah, blah. It's like all the whether you're a Man U fan or suddenly all the – my God, there was lots of, a lot of people born in Barcelona that I know around here. Um, <laughs> football is tribal in the UK and in Europe, but in Australia that it's, it's, not, it's not so much for that for those teams. Does that make sense? Whereas with the, um, the AFL thing, yeah. I mean, it's just cut and dried and, and there's, no, there's no discussion about who your team's going to be. And so when the good times do roll around, they inevitably do to – almost everyone in the AFL because there's only 16 teams. 
that people get to really enjoy it. And it's a bit the same in the NRL, obviously. The good times come to everyone except Parramatta. And, you know, I think it's really – I just love that. I love that sort of rusted on fans, you know. Um, I think it's Yeah, and, and, and I love what comes with success, the, the bandwagon talk. I just – you have to laugh and not even worry about it, no matter who you follow in any sport around the world. If you follow your team and your mates know who you've followed, who gives a hoot what anyone else says about bandwagon? If they, The only way your team grows – is having well, a bandwagon. But that's why I use the you term discretionary like, because, like, say, like, when I'm at school and, and, yeah. a, and a kid's following football and he says, oh, he starts laughing at me because I go for Newcastle. I say, do you go for it? He goes, oh, Man City. It's like, and why? And he said, just because. It's like, well, you know, good on you. And I get it. But, you know, that doesn't really happen with baseball. It, it is really... It's really funny though you say that, John, because one of my uh, one of my daughter's friends, uh, he was giving me grief about following Aston Villa, and uh, I can't even remember who he follows. It might have been Man City himself, and I just I didn't even come back at him. I just laughed, and then he asked my daughter why I laughed, and she said, "Oh, because you're a bandwagon supporter." Like she said it, I didn't even have to say it. So something's going right with my yeah. Or well, everyone's parents is an Oasis fan. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Look, I am. Uh, guys, low lights for the year. I might reverse the order here. My, you know, obviously we could say COVID um, would be a low light for the season. But for me, it's been social media attacks on sporting people. Um, and that's just me. I know it's social media and I call it anti-social. But look, your team loses. You don't have to send death threats to people, for goodness sake. That's been my low light. It's really turned me off social media. Yeah. Here. Understandable. Um, for me, I was going to say that my low light is about the, you know, I've really realised and noticed the the toxicity that some people really produce, um, whether it's in an online environment or whether it's in person. Uh, it, it's funny you, you get to you get comfortable being being surrounded by people uh, so frequently that you kind of turn a blind eye to different things. But once you kind of get used to uh, you know, what we've all experienced this year of being isolated at different times, having to convert a lot of our stuff to online material, that kind of stuff. Uh, and then you get the chance to be able to connect uh, at a later time. You do notice, you know, different things very differently. Uh, so, yeah, definitely uh, a few knives getting pulled out of the back at different times from <laughs> people that you didn't really expect. And that's exactly um, my low light because you kind of hope for the best and at times it doesn't always work out the way you uh, expect things to. No, exactly right. Well said. Well, well you know, I could gone. go, there's, there's any number of things with this and I, I'm, I'm not a negative person. I do like to have a bit of fun dwelling in, you know, the morbidity of my football team likes and whatnot. But, I mean, I could say... I could say Brentford was a low light, for God's sake. Um, I think all the humming and harring over the off-season, the coronavirus shutdown about the ownership at Newcastle really pissed me off. Um, and I was dragged out and yeah. I, I was embarrassed and it made the supporters upset and, and and that sort of drive to then make them look like fools, you know. And and I don't like that at all. Um, I think uh, definitely I... I now, I have to make sure the couch stuff really, really um, carefully because I think one of the things that I've noticed this year that's become more obviously than than ever is that there's a lot of people who've 
who've lived their life with incredibly strong value sets, have maintained their relationships with people with nary ever a aspersion cast about them as people and how they relate to other people. Um, and, and I think particularly when it comes to um, relationships across different cultural communities and stuff like that. And I've been really disappointed in how some people have been hounded um, through, and even, you know, through the continuous requirement to virtue signal as if, as if people aren't already people most of the time. And, and I, I found it almost horrendous the way that people have been treated um, who deserved a lot better. Um, and, and I'm hoping that one thing that comes out next year is that we calm down a little bit on, on, uh, on social media. Cause I know I told you this, I switched mine off. I'm not interested. Yeah. I think it's been really disappointing. And, um, that's why I like the medium we've got a podcast. Cause we'll be honest. And if people want to come back at us, that's okay. But like, so how do you be on, how can you ever have an honest conversation with people about anything if People, if everybody's got to live their life in fear of, of um, what's going to happen to them if they say the wrong thing, it's not a way to be in a free and open society such as the one that we're so lucky to enjoy here in Australia. Here, here, and when people take conversations out of context or come partway through a social media conversation and then re-quote one part of it without looking at the whole or... Um, I post up, as you know, on a lot of different social media channels, questions, and they are questions. For example, should Sydney stack be stood down by Richmond was a very valid question. Mm. And the personal messages that I received in regards to posting a question um, were, were a little bit, you know, didn't stress me out in the end because I don't know the people, but it was a little bit like, wow, I, I've posted a question. I haven't given a viewpoint. So you don't have to personally attack because you don't like a question. But then a really nice side of that was a lot of people came to the fence saying, the guy's just asking a question. He's allowed to ask it. We live in a world where you're not allowed to question at the moment, anything, um, even if you're actually asking a question. So let's hope that changes. And look, the three of us can um, do what we can do and, and, and maybe not attack others. And I know you guys don't, but you know what I mean? Like we can be part of that solution as well. Enough of that. Cause, it's as simple sorry. as if, if somebody comes at you and says, oh, you know, you know, what are you doing for gender equity in sport? It's like, and, you know, and if you have a, 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 say, if I think, if I say something, well, you know, they have to, we have to make sure that women's sport generates more revenue so that they can lift their, um, their profile even further. It'd be like, well, how dare you say that? Because, you know, it should be getting this, that. And I was like, hang on a sec. I put my life into women's sport. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? I'm entitled to an opinion, just as Pete is, just as you are. You know, just because I haven't said exactly what you want to hear, then yeah. so what? That stuff drives me nuts. And it's, been, it's gone yeah, nuts. Drive, and we shouldn't have to justify our whole existence. They don't know who we are. And that's what I, I said to one of our friends on this podcast, who's not here today, Sean. I said to him the other day when, when he said something uh, very similar on social media, I said, look, those who know you, know you. And they're the ones who count, and those who don't, and they're giving and attacking you on social media. Don't stress about them because they don't know you. And I think if we can all do that a little bit more, um, and you've got to build that resilience up. If we can all do, do that a little bit more, maybe the trolls just melt away a little bit. Yeah. Guys, also all the losses this year, and I won't go through all the names, but obviously, you know, for example, Maradona, all those losses. We we can 
um, obviously commiserate, but also celebrate those brilliant people as well in their lives. So to all those who have gone this year, um, you know, as we said, about our condolences, but also our celebrations for what you've given us in sport. So thank you for that as well, guys. Um, almost there. We're almost there. And I really appreciate everything you guys have done this year. I wanted to say that for the, all the people who've come on the podcast, who've asked questions, who've listened to our ramblings. We wanted to say thank you for that as well. Guys, the movies or TV shows, sporting-wise, that um, got you up and about this year, if you just want to give a couple of those. Oh, look, I'll, I'll give a uh, quick shout-out of the fact that so many people thought that the all or nothing about uh, Tottenham on Amazon Prime, mm. uh, that it was a reality TV show, um, you know, Keep in mind, it was heavily edited by the the chief executive officer Daniel Levy, and it was um, it, it was definitely shown in the best limelight possible. So you know, TV shows aren't always what they're uh, what they're made to look like. Uh, I'll give uh, I'll give everyone that bit. <laughs> what about yourself, there, John? Well, mate, I'm not a basketball fan, but I got to run for the last dance. It gave us something really to do during the clamp down times um, and the just the incredible um, drive to win that Michael Jordan had. I'd listened to a series of podcasts that I know you'd heard called The Sports Wars uh, with relation to Jordan and um, who's the uh, the guy from Detroit, Pistons? Can't remember his name. Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah and, Thomas. And it was just that fascinated me. As I say, I'm not a basketball fan. I just I wouldn't cross the road to watch it. That doesn't mean I don't respect its right to exist. But I tell you what, some amazing storylines that do come out of it. And the individuals are fantastic, and dudes like Charles Barkley and Horace Grant, and that. And I, re- I thoroughly enjoyed that. So I thought that was a, a TV highlight of the year for me. Full stop. It, it, one of the greatest. I can't imagine ever waiting for an episode to come out for sport like I did with that. Um, and, and what people got to remember about the the Jordan era, and I don't want to compare LeBron and Jordan all that. It's impossible, but. In that time, the Bulls were playing the Lakers, the Celtics, uh, as you said, the Pistons, the Knicks, the Suns. The, I don't think there was the Jazz. I don't think there was ever as competitive time as there was then. Um, Orlando, yeah, with with Shaq and everyone at that period. So, yeah, it was just one of the great periods, and, and it was really good to get those insights. Um, I thought also, if unless you have Apple, and I'll be honest with you, sorry, Apple, if you want to cut me off right now, I have all your products, but I was lucky enough to get it free um, through having Apple for a number of years. Um, Ted Lasso. Oh, God, it was a heartwarming. Yes. Sensational. Oh, it, it, heartwarming in a year that was really hard to watch. Ted Lasso was amazing. Um, not sure, John, if you've had a chance or have heard about it at all. Is he the guy who takes over the, the lower league team in England? Yes. Yeah, no, I've not takes seen over, it, but I've seen the shorts of it. He took took over Richmond FC, which was I wish they did exist because I probably would uh, have them as my second team. And it was just – it was so well acted. It was so well written. They knew what they were doing from the start. Loved it. Uh, Maradona in Mexico was, a, was another highlight. Um, How good was that? Oh, absolutely loved it. And another one that we all spoke about early in the year, which I've been hanging out to see if there's going to be any more, Sunderland Till I Die, I thought was absolutely sensational. If you want to talk about open door policies, there was no uh, no editing there, Pete. 
Yeah, exactly right. That that's uh, that's the big difference between you know Sunderland till I die and uh, the Tottenham Am- uh, Amazon doco. So yeah, definitely you get all of the emotions and the experiences of uh, Sunderland, and yet again of them not getting promotion, yet again of them setting their bar incredibly high, and um, certain individuals trying to steal the show for their own personal gain rather than seeing for the benefit of a club. Yeah, and that you're talking about. Yep, sorry. Sorry, no, that part three's got to come out because that'll be amazing seeing into that last, you know, the games that were cut because of COVID. Yep. And just to see, I would love to have been a fly on the wall as that was just falling down around them, like, um, because I mean, I've said to anyone who wants to hear it, I'm a a Newcastle supporter, Geordie through and through and whatever, and I'll probably get more blowback for this than anything. But I'm a believer in the Northeast, and I'd much rather Sunderland be back where they belong because the Premier League. Is a better place for Sunderland, isn't it? A great club. It was, it was awesome to see the real fans um, as well. I really enjoyed that, and I'm a little bit scared that coming next year, um, Richmond's opened up the doors. I think for Amazon, I, I could be wrong there, but they're going to have a documentary, um, full access. They're not going to close the doors to the cameras next year, and I wish it had happened two or three years ago to see the process of Richmond going from never was as to to winners. Now that they're winners, I'm not sure it's going to have the same kind of impact, if that makes any yeah, but kind of sense. But yeah. Myopics have always been on clubs that are on the skids. So if you look yeah. at like NFL stuff with, um, you know, um, the preseason NFL one, what's it called? Hard Knocks. Hard, hard Knocks. They always focus on a team that's coming from down the bottom. So I actually disagree. With you on it. I know they did a Liverpool one, but I didn't see that. Was that on Amazon as well? Um, I'm not sure. Wasn't it when he was opening envelopes? What was that show? Yeah, I don't. I, I'm not looking forward to seeing the Richmond one, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I would have, you know, seen a Gold Coast Suns or someone like that, or, or you know, even a St Kilda coming through. I'd love to see that kind of um, a club on the rise that's struggling but on the rise. Anyway, guys, our final section for the year. So I'm just going to stop that there, actually. Just a few seconds. Guys, you've done Unreal. We've got one more. It's going to be predictions for 2021, okay? So just give yourselves a few seconds. Have a drink of water. Rightio. So our final part of the pod, and thanks for everyone who has listened to this point, our predictions for 2021. So the boys aren't prepared for this, really. I'm just going to be throwing stuff at them. NRL, for me, Broncos are going to come back hard. They've got a coach who believes in the Queensland way. They've got players who've underperformed. I think the Broncos are going to bounce back and really be competitive next year. Uh, Your NRL predictions. I'm hearing crickets, boys. I'm hearing crickets. Uh, Uh, Do you want to go next, John? That way then it can go Paul, then John. Start again, Paul. Why don't we start? Okay. If I'll do one first and then Pete does the next one first so we don't, because I always feel, and I'm sure he does, I don't want, I don't want to cut in, and so yeah, right, exactly. let's do that. All right, so we'll go Paul, okay. then John, then me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. Uh, three, two, one. So, guys, everyone who's listened to the pod so far, thank you so much. Hope it gives you a bit of a holiday kind of cheer. Uh, we're going to do our predictions for 2021, and if you want to record them, don't worry. I've already recorded the fact that uh, John and Sean were very adamant that they'd be above Villa at the end of the season. That is on record. I'll play that to you guys next year. So we'll start off with NRL. For me, the Broncos are going to be back. The Broncos are going to hit back hard. 
They've got a coach who absolutely believes in their way, believes in Queensland, and won't let any of the stars get away with murder. Broncos will be back. Your NRL predictions, boys. Okay. Um, well, I'll tell you, I think the Queensland team is going to improve as the Titans, but um, I don't really think that much is going to change. I think it'll come to the Chooks and uh, the Storm because, quite simply, I think they're the best coach teams by a country mile in the NRL. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely got to agree with that because, you know, it, it does make a huge difference. Uh, there's enough, you know, junior talent coming through the likes of St. George Lawara with the Dragons that they could do something, but there's not enough kind of consistency with them. So it's definitely between kind of like the Roosters, the Storm, and uh, as you mentioned, potentially, um, you know, maybe another Queensland team other than the Broncos could turn up and surprise a few people. But, yeah, for me, it's kind of like your usual suspects. And watch out for the Bulldogs. They've done some smart signings as well. Especially uh, if they're in the Para. And Para will still be there. Yeah. Para will still be there, boys. Uh, the AFL. Um, I think Richmond's going to get a three-peat. I think the return to the 20-minute quarters suits our game style. That's an extra 16-plus minutes per game. We, If you have a look at the stats, we score heavily late each quarter. I think it's Richmond's to lose next year. And I don't usually say that. So I'm going for a Richmond three-peat. You make a good point. I think that uh, we could kind of talk about uh, the comparison between the likes of Celtic Football Club and uh, and Richmond. We could see a triple triple uh, for the likes of Richmond in twenty twenty one. So uh, yeah, we'll mark that down your calendar. And for and me, John, you'll have a different point of view. Oh, uh, look, I've been pretty open with it. Like I, I think that you know. It, I've got no doubt you guys are going as the favourite. I do, though, however, think that the, the the team that's going to have to literally cut the head of the snake off is the Brisbane Lions. Um, mm. I can't imagine a way that, you know, I, I just don't... Port Adelaide, they came pretty strong this year, but they really came out of nowhere, didn't they? And the Lions have been coming for three or, three or four years now. And, uh, well, Port didn't come from nowhere, but, you know, I mean, as being a real top-level challenger. Yeah. So I think that... We've been up and around for three or so years. We've progressed nicely each year. Um, I believe that the, even that, you know, that body strength and size, high-quality coaching. Look, the other thing is, too, let's be realistic. It's goddamn hard to go back-to-back, let alone win three in a row. Now, you've won three in four years, and if you win four in, in five years, that's going to be almost going back to the Collingwood times when, you know, the Lions remember chasing four in a row. And um, it's yep. pretty hard to stay up and... Injury here or there? Who's to say Dustin Martin doesn't uh, break his leg? I mean, I'm not, I'm not wishing that. But if it happens, uh, trust me. Wait, wait, listen. That's me knocking on wood, guys. I'm, I'm trying to be realistic here because injuries happen to every team, and I know you guys have got a super strong list. But if it hits your top players, there's no way you're replacing Dustin Martin in those finals. No, good call. You just never know. So I'll back the field against you guys going three in a row. And the field for me equals the mighty Brisbane Lions. That's it. Well, I think uh, I think the pressure's off for Richmond because most of the players in the team, a lot of the players in the team have actually now won premierships. So it's going to be, I think there'll be less pressure on Richmond than you think because Geelong are definitely going in favourites. They have put all in. They're the oldest list in the competition. 
they've given up a lot of draft choices. They've just signed um, Cameron from the GWS. And I think Geelong will be under super pressure. I think the Lions will be under a fair bit of pressure with signing Danaher uh, on pretty good, not, not, I don't think over the top money, I think fair money. And Port Adelaide to have finished top of the ladder and, and gone out uh, in the preliminary. I, I actually think um, there's a fair bit of pressure on the teams around us. Well, so I don't think you'll ever see. I don't think you'll ever see the teams finishing one and two bound out like they did this year because the uh, they never played for about six six months in between getting their semi final spot and winning it. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, any other predictions, guys? I'm just going to give this one. I think um, we're going to see a change of the guard in the NBA. I think it's going to be the the Nets or the Clippers. Uh, Yankees will come back into prominence in the uh, Major League Baseball. Um, Kansas City are going to go back-to-back in the Super Bowl, um, although we'd prefer – or I'd like to see the Browns there. Um, but I think, it'll be, uh, I think it'll be KC again. Any other predictions from you boys? And hopefully Sydney FC don't win the A-League again. Sorry, mate. <laughs> That's all right. Knowing um, Steve Corica's luck, if they don't win the um, the Premier League, uh, the Premiership or the Championship, he might actually get recognised as Coach of the Year. You know, having won it <laughs> two years in a row, uh, won the competition two years in a row, and still not winning Coach of the Year. Um, That's insane, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but look, uh, other predictions in terms of A League, I think that you know we've got the likes of Melbourne City who will be up there, Sydney FC will be up there. Um, obviously, put on the sky blue glasses, and also that Sydney FC hopefully will win both a Premier Le- uh, Premiership and a Championship. In terms of W League, I personally am tipping uh, Brisbane Raw with Jake Goodship's side. That uh, they are looking incredible at the moment. Their preseason has been in uh, fantastic form. And look at the depth in the squad there as well. Oh my goodness, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing the uh, the W League this season. Yeah, so from all reports, Jake's uh, basically got about, um, what is it, 26 players on his playing roster, and then he's also got about another 14, 15 players as kind of his um, 15, 16, and 17-year-olds as the the next gen coming through. It's incredible. So, yeah, I'll I'll tip Brisbane Raw to uh, win the W League. And can I just stop you on that, John? Uh, Sorry, Pete. Isn't it amazing that the W League, can do everything that we need the A-League to do. They bring through young talent who are ready to play. They bring back players from overseas who want to play. I just find it insane. I know it's a smaller season. I just find it insane that the men, uh, we don't have any men left in the English Premier League, I don't think, if Matty Ryan goes. And the W League has all the elements going towards the Matildas, and yet the A-League can't figure it out. Yeah, it's kind of scary and the fact that we don't even have a National Youth League season, okay? Normally, it's eight weeks or the eight games, whatever it is, yep. but uh, that season's been scrapped, uh, put yep. under the carpet without too many people actually knowing about it. Uh, and then you also have some very interesting news with the likes of MacArthur FC having just signed a deal with North Shore Mariners here in uh, in Sydney where they basically just told their entire first grade side at North Shore Mariners, you guys are no longer required over Instagram. Uh, and oh, yeah, then, yeah, MacArthur FC uh, will be taking over the first grade side with the first grade side training out at Fairfield Showgrounds whilst the rest of the club remain training at Gosh. North Shore Mariners. Unbelievable. Uh, John, you get the last say on a few... Yeah, the first thing I'm going to predict is that somebody in world cricket, international cricketer, is going to hold a catch off Marnus Labuschagne at some point. So he doesn't just, you know, to (laughs) 
you know, with 10 chances every time he bats. Uh, I will definitely um, – I'm going to stick to my Packers prediction of the Super Bowl because I've got to. Um, I'm going to predict that Newcastle's yeah. going to get involved in a pretty nasty relegation scrap at some point soon, and the only reason that we stay up is because on that note, boys, um, you better watch. I don't, I don't want to predict any bad things with COVID, but I heard today that there was five players at Newcastle who had, who actually got, showed severe signs from their corona infestation, and Jamal Lasalle and Alison Maximum still yeah. are bedridden, um, and that's like getting on to four weeks. So I'm going to predict yeah. that the European Championship is cancelled. Um, I do. Th- I definitely predict yeah, um, Bayern Munich to win the European yeah, Cup again, uh, unless Atletico can beat. I'll, I'll go with I'll go with Bayern to beat Atletico Madrid in the final. How's that sound to finish us off for the year? Oh, Interesting. Okay, I'm going to throw this to you guys before I kind of wrap uh, this up and say: Will Tokyo 2021? Uh, Olympic Games and Paralympic Games. Well, I think that they've got more of a chance than the European Championship because they're spread out. They're all they're in one place. You know, I'd I'd almost back the Japanese government about to to get all the athletes into one place and say we're here now, test, 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 and then have the event with no crowds. Whereas the European Championships are spread all across Europe, which I thought was a dumb way of doing it in the first place, and it's going to come back and bite them. You know what's funny about this? It might actually prove the the World Cup in the Middle East might actually turn to be a masterstroke because no one's allowed to go um, if the corona's still around in a few years' time and we don't get to bag it and say that mm. was the worst World Cup ever, there was no crowds because it might be the only way to have it. That's actually, that's actually a very fair point. Guys, one final highlight for me is just having you boys on uh, the pod every week. I know how much time you have to sacrifice to do it. Um, Merry Christmas to you and your families, but Highlight's been talking sport with you and um, saving probably our relationships with our friends and Merry family. Merry Christmas to uh, Paul and Pete. I've enjoyed it very much. Well, and our fans, all of our loyal three fans out there, thank you very much. Merry Christmas to you all. Yes, exactly right. Thank you uh, very much for subscribing and uh, checking out all the episodes. And thank you very much to Paul for editing and putting this all on. Uh, It is sensational that every week we can chat about things that we love and hopefully make um, make at least a few suggestions on how to improve the games in different uh, varieties of ways for the future. So thank you very much, Paul. Thank you very much, John. Thank you very much to Sean and to uh, everyone who's been able to listen in. All our guests throughout the year. This is the Love Sport Podcast. Go out and have a lot of fun and be safe doing so. Second down and seven. Mahomes, Watkins, what a throw. Sammy Watkins out of bounds near the 11. He's working against Richard Sherman. Mahomes throws, pass, caught. Williams, touchdown. Kansas City jumps on top. Uh, thanks for joining us on the Love Sport Podcast. That was a lot of fun today with Pete and John. That was our 2020 year in review. Been a hard year for a lot of people, so well, peace out. And let's hope that uh, 2021 is a better year. You can reach us on the Love Sport Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. You can get me at Paul underscore football, John at Lambic Peach, and Pete at Pete Novikowski, all on Twitter there. Send us any questions, any feedback. This is your podcast as well. We are the Love Sport Podcast.